Today, what we are going to talk about, as well as next week, are critical to understanding marriage. You see, the very essence of, of what we've been trying to go through is how God has established marriage and what importance has He placed upon it in your life and my life. Now today, what we are going to talk about is, I will give you this, it is not an easy, it is not an easy intake for a woman. Um, it, is, it is the very essence of what will go against trying to desire or control or to be master over your husband. But this kind of lesson is, is true for every woman that walks the face of this earth because every single woman is a part of this curse, the curse of trying to desire. In fact, uh, much of what we find in life is, is wrapped up in, in the truths of God's Word, the truth of, uh, of just everything that we have been trying to learn and understand. We started on this journey, if you'll just relax with me and think, we started on this journey in Ephesians chapter 5. We were going along and we came to a place where it says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as unto the Lord. A couple of verses later it says, Husbands, love your wives like Jesus Christ loves the church. And so we saw this part in Ephesians chapter 5 and, and, and it talks about the relationship between a husband and a wife and and so we started on the journey of what does that look like? Why did God establish marriage in the first place? What's it all about? So it, it jumped us back to Genesis. And we went to Genesis chapter 2, if you remember, and we saw in the seventh verse, it says, And then the Lord God formed man, formed him out of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. While they were walking in this area that God had cultivated and had given to the man, the Lord God looked at him and said, You know, it's, it's not good for you to be alone. I'm going to make you a helper who is suitable for you. In other words, I will bring you someone into your life who will complete you as a being. A few verses later, we saw that the Lord God then took one of the ribs out of the, out of the man Adam, caused him to go into a deep sleep. And out of that rib, it says, he fashioned. He, he, he just very beautifully and carefully, it's an architectural term, fashioned a woman out of the rib. And then he brought her to the man. And when God brought the woman to the man, he simply said, for this cause for this reason i want you to leave your mother and your father adam and i want you to cleave unto your wife adam the two of you shall become one flesh and both of them it says were naked or transparent and not ashamed open and with that statement in genesis chapter 2 verses 24 and 25 god set the whole precedent for marriage he taught us as husbands who we are to be that we are to we are to, to bond ourselves to our wives, to leave our moms and dads. And we know that that doesn't mean we're not to honor our parents. We, we learned that that meant that we are to be her husband because Paul ta taught us later in the New Testament in Ephesians that 
talking about marriage, this mystery is great, but I'm talking in reference to Jesus Christ and the church. And so our marriages, we learned, is to reflect Jesus Christ and the church by the way we handle our marriages. Well, what we saw happen right after that is, is what will happen in life in, a, in, a, in the most normal of ways. Immediately, upon the scene comes Satan. Remember in chapter 3 of Genesis? And the first thing that he does is attack the integrity of the Word of God. Happens every time. And that's why churches that don't study the Bible are making a huge mistake. They're falling into Satan's ploy. And so he comes to the woman, if you remember, in chapter 3 and verse 1, and he says, Indeed, has God said that you can eat from all of these trees in the garden? She said, we, we can eat from all of them except for the one in the middle of the garden. We, we're not supposed to eat that nor touch it lest we die. And here's Satan's ploy as he attacks the very integrity of the Word of God. He says, you surely shall not die. God knows in the day that you eat of it, you are going to know the difference between good and evil. You miss so much out of life if you don't have of this fruit. Well, they ate. And immediately they hid from God because they, they knew what? That they were what? They saw that they were naked. For all this time, they hadn't really noticed that because... Adam was too busy taking care of Eve. And Eve was too busy taking care of Adam. And and now all of a sudden, sin does what sin will do. I want what I want when I want it. And so sin comes upon the scene. And when they heard the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, it said that Adam and Eve hid amongst the trees from God. And he shouts out, as God will always do, comes to us, always comes to us to try to, 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 to search us out and to bring us back into fellowship with him. He says, where are you? And they said, well, we were hiding because we were naked and we were ashamed. God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I have commanded you not to eat? And of course, Adam does what most people do. The woman that you gave me, she made me do it. So he looks at the woman and he says, what is this that you have done? And she said, the serpent, he deceived me and I ate. And what we saw last week was that then God placed a curse upon mankind, upon a woman and upon the men. Upon the woman, he said, you will, you will greatly have pain in childbirth. Yet, he says, your desire shall be for your husband, but he shall rule over you. The word desire was key, we saw last week. The word desire meant to try to control, to try to manipulate. We learned that from Cain and Abel, if you remember. Cain and in such anger because he wanted to come to God his way, not God's way. He became angry because God had no regard for what he brought God. And God said to him, Cain, why are you angry? If, if you do what is right, will not your countenance be lifted up? 
He said, be careful, Cain. Sin is, sin is crouching at your door and its desire is for you. But you must master it. You must control it. And with that statement, ladies, we, we come to today's message. We now jump to 1 Peter chapter 3. Would you please turn with me there? In 1 Peter chapter 3, we, we learn what is the problem and what is the cure for this trying to control or desire or master our husbands. Now I've asked, I, I did, I asked this week if Kay would come and help me teach this. Because the truth of the matter is I don't understand the curse that you're under. I don't understand the sting that you feel when it says you are to be subject to your own husband. I don't get it, but I, but I believe it because it is written. Which gets me to this point before we start today's lesson. None of what we have learned so far, all of it very simple truths. None of it will be of any value to you or me unless we do what God's asked us to do concerning His Word. I was kind of contemplating out of the Bible this week. and In the book of James, which is not up on the board, uh, it says, You know, my beloved brethren, let everyone be quick to hear and be slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. In James chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Therefore put aside all filthiness and all remains of wickedness, and in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. And then James writes these words, Prove yourselves to be doers of the word not merely hearers who will delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, that person is like a, a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. And once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of a person he was. But the person who looks intently at the perfect law, this that we study, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but also an effectual doer, this person shall be blessed in what they do. Unless you and I take seriously what we, we learn from the Word of God, we'll really never move along in this process we have called our faith. And so I could um, teach and teach and teach till I become blue in my face, but until you and I want to incorporate into our lives what we are learning, until we do that, then most, if not all, is for naught. And so, ladies, I am going to challenge you with a very, very deep thought of how you are to handle your marriages. How to turn marriages from this kind of a feeling where there always seems to be tension within the home, where there, there always seems to be a feeling of, of resentment one way or the other. I mean, nothing really major. We're not going to divorce. 
but just a feeling un, of uneasiness within our homes. A feeling of resentment towards one another instead of what God has really called our marriages to be. I said this last night, and I, I hope it doesn't sound trite, nor does it sound like I'm bragging. My wife and I hardly know this anymore. Oh, yeah, we have arguments. Who doesn't? Everybody does, I believe. But we're almost here all the time. <clears throat> I want that for all of us. The feeling of love within our families because our marriages are a representation of Jesus Christ and the church. Now, ladies, by the way, gentlemen, we are going to look at us next week. You cannot miss no vacations this next week. You can't miss next week. But there's no way you can teach these two adequately in one half an hour or an hour. And so let's read for the women verses 1 through 6 of 1 Peter chapter 3. Peter begins by saying in chapter 3, verse 1, In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and your respectful behavior. Let not your adornment be merely external, the braiding of your hair, the wearing of gold jewelry or the putting on of dresses. But rather, verse 4, let it be the hidden person of the heart the, with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Thus Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. It is my contention that, that Peter writes in verse 6, without being frightened or by any fear, because I believe what he is telling you to do as a woman is a, a frightening task. It is something that would, would even, I think, eat at the very core of who I am as a person if I thought I, would, I was supposed to live this lifestyle out and, and not be able to add my two cents. And so the Lord God says, don't be frightened. I see your husband. Don't be fearful. I know what's going on. I will move in his heart. You do what I've asked you to do. Now, let's pray about this. Father in heaven, we come to a very critical place in your word. We come to a place, Father, that... Um, we want you to teach us the very essence of what it is to be a, a godly woman who would reverse that curse, the 
Father, would you please open up our eyes and our hearts so that we might behold wonderful things from your law. We pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. I guess David can... No, Fred, can you do me a favor? That's okay, David. Can you just get me a glass of water uh, back there, please? Let's look at the first verse of chapter 3 in 1 Peter. The first verse says, In the same way. Now here's what's... Here's what, thank you so much, you guys. <laughs> you don't trust me, do you? I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you. Thank you so much. In the same way. What's fun about studying the Bible... when you come to these kind of hinges, these kind of uh, explanations that, that are right there in the Bible, it's, it's fun to find out what does that mean? You see, the moment you read in the same way, you should be thinking in what way? In what way? Now let me jump back just a little bit. God is telling us here in 1 Peter 3 how we are to, to turn our marriages into garden experiences, into experiences like this. Reversing the curse. Ridding ourselves of this, this self-centeredness of sin. God has given marriages, every single marriage, one thing in common. That is a point of order. Because after all, God is a God of order. And so to the woman, he says, I want you to reverse the curse. I don't want you to control. I don't want you to desire. I don't want you to master your own husband. God says in the book of Genesis, just as he says in the book of Ephesians, your husband is to rule over you, women. You are to be subject to your own husband. I know that stings. At least I think it does. On the other hand, husbands... We have learned <coughs> above and beyond anything else that we are. We are to love our wives. Love our wives. Love our wives like Jesus Christ loves us, the church. And we're to become, therefore, her servant, her slave, if you would. You remember we, we learned a couple weeks ago in Matthew chapter 20, James and John's mom came to Jesus Christ and said, I want one of my... What my sons to sit on your right, and the other one of my sons to sit on your left. You remember? And Jesus gathered the disciples together because they became indignant with James and John. They wanted that place as well. And he said, Look, he called the disciples to himself and he says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them their authority. Their great men hold or exercise authority over others. He says, it's not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great shall become your servant. And whoever wishes to become first shall become your slave. And then Jesus Christ makes this statement that is relative to every single man here in this room who is a husband. He says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many and so a garden experience within marriages is one that is willing to serve one another. 
The husband, you're to love your wives. Your wives, you are not to control your husbands. The both of you are to become what we started this journey off in in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. We are to be in marriages subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Just because you or I as a man has been given the responsibility to be the head of the house does not mean that we become someone who lords authority. As a matter of fact, if we understand what God is saying to us, gentlemen, then we are to be our wives' servants, our wives' slaves, and to lift up and to exalt our wives. Love her. And I said to you many times, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, it says it best. I've said it every wedding I think I've ever done. It says, do nothing from selfishness nor empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as, and here's the key, as what? More important than you do your own self. Not merely looking out for your own personal interests, it says in verse 4, but looking out for the interests of one another. And so we're to be both of us, husbands as well as wives, subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And so as we close out this series, looking at the role of a wife, the role of a husband, hopefully realize by now, gentlemen, that God places a high call of importance upon our shoulders as a husband. We are to be our wives' lovers at all costs. And so within these two roles, with, with, within each marriage, it's fixed. God has fixed what it should be within a marriage. The husband, his role, the wife, her role. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 3, he deals with how we are to live out these roles. And so when we read, in this same way, we must stop and and realize, what is God saying in what same way? And to see what Peter is talking about, we need to back up into chapter 2. And we see quickly that, that Peter is talking about the Lord's obedience that he obtained through suffering and submission to authority. Read with me in chapter 2, verses 13, 14, and 15. In verse 13, Peter begins by saying, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of those who do right. We looked at verse 15 before when we were studying what is the will of God. What's God's will for us? Remember verse 15, for such is the will of God, that by doing right we would silence the ignorance of foolish men. So what Peter is talking about here in 1 Peter is submission and honoring the authorities that God has placed over us. Being that God is, after all, a God of order. Look at verse 21 of chapter 2. It says, You have been called for this purpose, since Christ 
suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. The example he left for you and me was submission, honoring, suffering over the God-placed authority that he has put over every single one of us. And mark this, we are to suffer all the while doing what is right. Ultimately, verse 21, we are to follow in our Lord's footsteps, doing what is right in God's eyes, because after all, He and He alone is our only judge. When it comes down to it, He will be the one that judges our motives and our hearts. So as we now move back to chapter 3 and verse 1, when he says to the wives, in the same way, he's talking about suffering. He's talking about submission to the authority that is over you. And in this case, it is your husband's. In the same way, suffering, submission, falling under authority, you wives be submissive to your own husband. I know that stings. At least I think it does. So let's ask the question that ought to be asked. What if he's not leading you as you wish? What if he's not the man that you want him to be? Here's the rub. God wasn't caught off guard. Look what he says in verse 1. You wives, be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are, whoa, look, disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by your behavior. Even if they are disobedient to the word. I want you to know something, and I think you already do. That is the worst case scenario that God can present. In the eyes of God, someone who is disobedient to his word is a person without much hope. We must, be dis- we must be obedient to this. This is everything to you and me. This is what is our life, blood. This is what we build our lives upon. To be disobedient to this, there's not much hope. So why are you as a wife to be submissive to him if he's disobedient? Verses 1 and 2, look. So that... That man who is disobedient may be one without a word. How? By the behavior of his wife. As he observe your chaste and respectful behavior. God is going to use you to change your husband, not by your words, but by your behavior and your actions. Think with me. This is the essence. This is the core of not trying to Desire, control, master your husband. Your action step, ladies, is that you are to be an example of Jesus Christ to your husband. And how? It's by your quiet spirit. Not trying to desire him. Through your chaste and respectful behavior. Through your willingness to fall under his authority. You are, verse 1 tells you, to be submissive to your own husband. Now, let's take a look at the word submissive. That's important now. 
In the Greek, it is a military term. It is the word hospatasso. It means to willfully place yourself under another by your own choice. Military term. It's like you're in the armed forces and, and walking towards you is, a, is someone who is higher ranked than you and you hate his guts. He's mean as could be. So do you salute him or not? Or you willfully salute him? Not necessarily because you think it's the right thing to do because you, don't, you realize this guy is really a terrible person. But you willfully place yourself under his authority. Why? Because God is a God of order. All right, let's take a look at the elephant now in the room. What if he asks you to sin? And the society in which we live today, what if, God forbid, he does or tries to do you harm? Paul states with a little more clarity in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, to the wife, Paul says it this way about being submissive. He says, wives, you be subject to your own husband as, note, as is fitting in the Lord. Listen, if his actions places you in danger, either spiritually or physically, then that is not fitting unto the Lord. And then, just as Peter said, when, when, when they came to Peter and said, you're not to preach the gospel anymore, he said to them in Acts chapter, I think it was Acts chapter yeah, 5, verse 29, he says, whether it's right in the eyes of man, whether I should or should not, that's up between you and, I don't know, that was really a bad rendering of what was said. But he said this, we must obey God rather than man. Your first obligation, ladies, is to the Lord. And when sin comes into the picture, or when physical danger comes, then, ladies, you need not submit. But until then, God asks you to become willfully submissive to your own husband, even if this lug is disobedient to the Word of God. So that through your quiet, your submissive, your chaste and respectful behavior, you may, by the grace of an almighty God, lead him to Jesus Christ. Now I want you to see in verses 3, 4, 5, and 6 where your trust lies. See, if you become obedient to the Lord and you don't try to control or desire or master your husband, then it automatically falls out of your hands and into the hands of God Almighty. God states in verses 3 and 4, number one, it's not your outward appearance that is going to change Him. It's not going to be your beauty. Verse 3, your adornment must not merely be external, like the braiding of your hair or the wearing of gold jewelry or putting on dresses. And in that day, that was considered dressing yourself up to the max. Pretty as you could get. What will move him? God says, this is what will move your husband who is disobedient to the word and, 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 and not being the man that you want him to be in your family. 
Verse 4, it'll be the hidden person of your heart. It'll be the imperishable quality. Note again, God says, of your gentle and your quiet spirit. You see, your actions is what's going to change him, not your words. Not this. This won't happen. This will just cause more of this. This is what God's asking for you and me. It's your heart, ladies. It's your quiet and your gentle spirit. It's it's an imperishable quality of your heart that is precious. Precious in the sight of God. Note, ladies, in verse 4, who is it that you're trying to impress? Who are you trying to move into action? It's not your husband. No, no, these qualities are qualities that are precious in the sight of God. You see, God desires to move your husband more than you do. God desires to make him into the man that he wants him to be more than you do. God desires him to be what God desires him to be. And he doesn't desire you or me to mold your husband because only God knows where he's taking him and how this journey is going to look. It's like when, 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 when Kyle asked me a little while ago or, or said very, very preciously, he said, you know, I, I, I get to be home now three months. I'm not on tour. I get to play drums here. I want to be here as often as I can. And I said, look, don't put any pressure on yourself. Don't try to do more than what God's called you to do. You do what God's asked you to do. Because if you'll never note the way I try to handle ministry here is I don't try to force. We don't have a lot of altar calls because I want you to know something. I could manipulate an altar call, I think, if I wanted to. I think I could make it, you know, uh, long enough and, and intimidating enough that someone's going to say, I've got to get up. I don't want you to get up because, because I'm trying to intimidate or move you. I want you to get up because the Lord God Almighty is moving you. And when He moves you, you'll know it. And when He moves you, it'll be real. And if we or I or any human being moves you, you'll know that you have just been manipulated. And it won't be as real as it ought to, to be. Look at verse 5. These Old Testament women hoped in who? Their husbands? No, they, they did these things because they hoped in God by being, verse 5, submissive to their own husbands, not trying to desire or to control Him. Verse 6, these Old Testament saints, these ladies, as well as you, have become Sarah's children if you do what is right, and that is by... In other words, if you do it God's way, not your way. And then he puts, as I started off this message, don't be frightened. Don't be fearful. God says, I see. I know what's happening. I can see him. I know him. I'm moving him. You might not see it, but I'm moving him. You just be respectful. You just be a chaste in your behavior. Be quiet. Let me move this lug. <laughs> and he will. And you need not be frightened nor with any fear. Two of my favorite verses in 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, 
It says this, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that He might exalt you at the proper time. It's His time. Cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. Ladies, I believe that this is a tough lesson to digest. But if we're to let God move into the life of your husband, allow God to move His way, not your way. Don't be, and I'm not saying you are, but don't be anything like Cain. Don't come with some other idea, some other thought. Oh God, I know my husband really well. This will make him move. No, it won't. Not necessarily. It it might not be anything close to what God is trying to do in his life. And so I ask you to consider the Word of God, ladies. To consider that you be not merely hearers, but doers. I don't know why God shined favor on me, but He did. I asked my wife to marry her. I want you to know something. I wasn't thinking about her character when I saw her. It wasn't even close. She came walking in that restaurant, and I'm telling you, she was killer. I've known a lot of good-looking women in Hawaii. She beat them all. She had this purple dress on, scoop neck, tan, 20, 21 years old. Oh. And I asked her to sit down and join me for a bite to eat, and I did not think, I wasn't thinking about food at that moment. End up, we married one another. It was the best thing ever happened to me apart from my faith in Christ. Because by the grace of God, I married a low-maintenance lady. I married a woman that I've never known one morning that I've woken up that I've not seen her sitting in the same place. I walk out, I know she's there reading her Bible. I wanted her to come and speak a little bit this morning, but I said, no. She said, you know it well enough. Teach it. And so, ladies, I don't understand what you go through. I don't. I really don't. I don't understand what it feels like to be submissive and uh, in that respect and, and not be saying anything. You know, it's most men like to change other men by talking. We like to talk it, talk through God says no to you. Part of your curse is you want to desire Him to take and reverse that curse, have a gentle and quiet spirit, be respectful and chaste, be the person in your husband's life that God's asked you to be. Now, guys, Guys, please. Unless you and I understand what it really means to be a lover, unless you and I understand what it really means to live with our wives in an understanding way, you'll see the next verse. It says, you likewise. Likewise means in the same way. It takes us back to chapter 2, suffering. 
submission, authority, all of those things, just like Christ. You, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. You cannot mistreat your woman and expect her to be chaste and respectful and quiet. You'll, you'll crush her spirit. You'll crush her spirit. God has given you the most precious gift that anybody could ever receive. That is a, a woman who loves you. And so, gentlemen, come next week. We're going to only look at one verse. God wouldn't trust us with six verses. Trust me. He gives, he gives us just one verse. And with it, he gives us a promise. If we do it, your prayers won't be hindered. See, he knows what he's dealing with. He knows us guys. Ladies, on behalf of every gentleman here in this church, we love you more than I can ever say. Thank you so much for who you are within this church, within your family, within your marriages, within your lives. You women are the very backbone of who we are. You have completed us as men. Father in heaven, thank you for every woman here. Bless her. The whole task of being a godly wife is is not an easy road, especially if she's living with a husband who is disobedient to your word, Father. And so I ask, I think that every woman would ask, is that you would move quickly in her husband's behalf. Help him to come to his senses. To be the man of God that you've asked him to be within her life. I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. I love you. I love you. I love you with all my heart. Thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to see you next week. Guys, you got to be here. Please don't not come. See you next week.